0: Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. I hope you enjoy your complimentary car wash. And uh, for those of you who are online, uh, we miss having you here. And in case you don't know, it's raining really hard here right now. And so we're glad to have you with us as well. You know, one of the things that's pretty cool about the technology that we have and that we've been able to use is we actually have a number of people who watch, who stream our services from a number of different states in the country and even people in other countries as well. So that's pretty amazing uh, the way we can gather together through that. So welcome to you online. All right. Um, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We're going to be starting a new series this morning. And, um, you know, it's, we're, there's something that we're all familiar with here in the digital age, where we do so much on computers and digital devices, and that would be the, the good old-fashioned reset button, or the at least the ability we have to turn things off and back on so that they start working again, the restart or the reset. And uh, if you, like, for example, if you are a PC user, then you've surely experienced the, um, what's it called, the blue screen of death right, when your computer just completely freezes and you, you know it's, nothing's happening and the screen goes blue and you got one option. Well, you got two, you can throw it out the window, but the better option is you, you turn it off, you turn it back on, you hold the power button or the reset button. If you're a Mac user, then you have been plagued by that eternally spinning pinwheel, right? just keeps going and 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 And you're yeah you want to throw it out the window or you hit reset you've been there right we've all been there because we live in the digital age and in the digital age our digital devices get to the point sometimes where they need to be restarted they need a reset and what's interesting about that is it's virtually always because they are trying to process too much information at once, right? You got too many apps running, you got too many windows opening, too many websites giving you information. And so because these computers can't handle too much, they eventually, they freeze and then you gotta hit reset so that they start working again if, if they do. You know, um, I was thinking that, thinking about that a lot recently as I was asking, kind of seeking the Lord's direction on what he would have us think about after Easter, uh, which we celebrated last week. And it, it dawned on me that... Did you see how the rain just stopped right there? I think we all need a reset in our hearts and in our minds and in our wills. And if you think about it, we have been processing a lot of information, and a lot of it's really sad and really hard. I mean, for over a year, we've been facing the pandemic and all the difficult decisions that come with that, and we've been struggling seeing all this political divisiveness in our country and people's inability to even talk to each other. We've been lamenting racial injustice and longing to know what we can do. And that's all on top of the normal hardships and challenges and struggles of life in a broken and fallen world. So we've been processing a lot of information. And it's probably true to say that we're all about due for a reset. For God to graciously hit reset on our hearts and our minds and our wills that we can start working again. And so I've entitled this series, it's just going to be three weeks, this week and two more, Reset. And my hope is, and where I think God wants us to go is uh, that we would have God reset our hearts, our minds, our wills, as we really focus in on the gospel and three of the big, beautiful promises that God makes to us who, who believe the gospel. And I do believe that as we seek to look at these important elements, important facets of what the gospel is, that God is going to provide that reset that our hearts need. So we're going to be talking about the gospel and specific aspects of the gospel, which means I should tell you what the gospel is. Most of us are familiar with the gospel, but some of you watching or some of you in the room may not know what we mean when we use the word gospel. It's often that I'll say, do you know the gospel? And people will say, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, the first few books of the New Testament. I say, those are the gospels. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel that we believe and that we teach? And so let's talk about that ever so briefly. The gospel is news. It's it's an announcement. It's not instructions. It's not telling us what to do. It's an announcement. That although we are sinners and deserve the judgment of God, God has graciously sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, a flawless life, and then die a sinner's death, a sacrificial death, to pay for sins, then to be buried, and then to be raised from the dead on the third day, which we celebrated last week, as we celebrated Easter. That's the gospel. It's the announcement of what has taken place And then there's these promises that come with the gospel for you and I who believe, these amazing promises. And there's actually countless promises, but we're going to focus in on three. And the hope is this will help our hearts get reset and we begin to have a more flourishing relationship with God and even with the world as well. What are these promises? Here's three big promises that we're going to flesh out over the next few weeks. Number one. Those of us who believe the gospel that Jesus did die on the cross, was buried, rose again from the dead, those who believe that and believe that he did it on their behalf, number one, we are set free from the penalty of sin. We will never face judgment or condemnation for our sins and failures. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Number two, we'll talk about next week, freedom from the power of sin. The death and resurrection of Christ those who believe means that we are not under sin's domineering power, and our lives actually can very much change. And then number three, freedom from the very presence of sin. The Bible, God through the Bible makes these incredible promises about this world that's coming, the world that will be made new, and all who believe now will live in it and will be delivered from the very presence of sin and misery and anything that would detract from our full flourishing. So freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the presence of sin. Now, some of you might be saying, Pastor Matt, we talk about this stuff all the time, like every week, and that's true. But you want to know one of the worst things about us Christians? It's not that we don't believe this stuff. It's that we don't strive to believe these things more and more deeply and apply them more and more daily. Now maybe you're going to understand some of these things for the first time and, be, and become a Christian. We would celebrate that for eternity. But at the very least, we want to return to these things and let these promises transform us and fill us with joy and show us who our God is. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the very presence of sin. And we're going to start by talking about that first promise that I mentioned, that through faith in Christ, we are set free from the penalty of sin. Okay, through faith in Christ, we're set free from the penalty of sin. And for uh, us to see that in the Scriptures this morning, it's all through the Bible, but we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, 21-26. Romans 3, 21-26. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word. Paul says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, you are the justifier. Of those who have faith in Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you and we ask now that through your word and spirit, you would open our hearts and minds for the first time or for the hundredth or the thousandth to this glorious, glorious, life changing promise to those who believe that in Christ we are set free from the penalty we deserve to pay on behalf of our sins. And so we, would you help us to see now Jesus rescuing us and setting us free from the penalty of sin. For your glory and for our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, if you want to track a word of the day, let's go with righteous. Righteous. All right, so we're talking about how through faith in Christ, we're set free from the penalty of sin. I just want to do three things here this morning. One, we'll talk about why we need that. Why do we need to be set free from the penalty of sin? Number two, how are we set free from the penalty of sin? And number three, what difference does it make right now? So why do we need to be set free? How are we set free in Christ? And what difference does it make even today? So Let's start with uh, why we need to be set free. Look at verse 23. Uh, This is very straightforward by the Apostle Paul here in this passage. Uh, This is something that's super countercultural. Our world does not want to hear stuff like this, but God says it. Romans 3.23, Paul says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in that short sentence, he has basically taught us that we need to be set free because we are sinners, and sinners deserve two things for sure. We deserve to be punished for our sin. Any criminal who's convicted of a sin deserves some sort of punishment. And we also deserve to be rejected by God. We have no business thinking that a holy and righteous God would ever accept you and I who are sinners and we are all sinners too that's what's so amazing about this the Bible does not give us any room to say that there are good people and there are bad people in the world it says there are bad people and Jesus so we're all sinners we've all fallen short of the glory of God and therefore we all deserve punishment and we all deserve to be rejected by God for all eternity and see that That sounds theological or theoretical uh, when we talk about it in some ways until it gets more real when we realize that so much of what we feel and a lot of what we do is actually fueled by that truth that we have buried deep inside that we try to suppress, that truth that we are sinners and we do deserve punishment and we do deserve to be rejected by God. And here's how that comes out. It comes out in how much we hate when we have made a mistake and when we have sinned. It comes out when we say, oh, I can't believe I did that. It comes out when we say, oh, I hate myself. It comes out when we feel like we are not enough. It comes out when we're thinking, ah, oh, I'm, I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm, not, I'm never going to be a good enough student. I'm never going to be a good enough employee. I'm never going to be... That pain that you feel which is real by the way it's actually fueled by this truth that's buried in there deep that we are sinners we've fallen short we've missed the mark and therefore we deserve punishment we deserve rejection and a lot of times so much of our energy and efforts in trying to do things trying to accomplish things trying to, to, to do bigger or better things or trying to appear successful or trying to be a better this or a better that is actually us trying to feel like we should be accepted. Oh, i got to be a better athlete, because then I'll be accepted. I' got to be a better student, because then I can be accepted. And we think that if we get people's acceptance, somehow that'll satisfy our awareness that what we really need is God, God's acceptance. That's what our hearts really want. But because we're sinners, we know that we deserve punishment and rejection. And anyway, a lot of times when we're striving to accomplish more or win this or gain that feeling like that will give us that satisfaction or that'll help us feel like we're acceptable, uh, we're trying to justify ourselves, right? We're trying to justify our existence. And what we're doing is really, it's like we're trying to get out of quicksand. And you know that when you're in quicksand, the harder you struggle, the more you sink. That's the same thing when we're trying to justify ourselves or we're trying to show that we deserve to be forgiven or that we deserve to be accepted. We sink down farther and farther and farther. In fact, the psalmist knows this in Psalm 130, where he's talking about his sin and his need for misery. Psalm 130 verse 1 starts out, Out of the depths I cry to you. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Out of the... As a propitiation by... It's a doctrine, a doctrine. Of, but it's not just some propositional truth. we are set free from the penalty of sin by... Being that guilt and that shame weighing us down by grace, through faith. So I want to read this to you, and based on how they're rooted in the Scripture, our understanding of our status with God. So here's what it says. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Now, when you see that the scriptures teach this and, and we choose to believe this, it takes that guilt, that shame, that sadness we have over not measuring up, and it blows it up. So we're going to do this, but I want to go backwards. We'll take each phrase a little bit, but, but backwards. So first, this is something that's received by faith. Every world religion, every philosophy, every thought of, that's ever come up from humanity always suggests that if you're going to be right, then it's going to be through something you do. It's going to be because you accomplished something or you avoided something. And the Bible says something totally different. Justification, which is what we want. It's to be forgiven of all of our sins. It's to be accepted as righteous in God's sight. Justification is something that's only received through faith. It comes through faith. That's why if you look in verse 21, Paul is talking about the righteousness that we get from God. And it's manifested, he says, apart from the law. So God provides this righteousness for us apart from anything we do or don't do. It has nothing to do with us and what we do or don't do. Uh, And also in verse 25, he talks about this redemption being received by faith. So we have to understand that justification, which we all long for, it only comes through faith. And it's not even that faith is the ground for our justification. This This is really important for Christians to understand. It's not that we're justified because we have faith. Faith is not the ground for our justification. Christ, the finished work of Christ, is the ground for our being forgiven and our being accepted as righteous. Faith is the instrument through which we receive it. So think about it like this. If you had a big glass of water and you drank it down, you wouldn't say, ah, this glass really just quenched my thirst because it wasn't the glass, it was the water that quenched your thirst. The glass was just an instrument, friends. It's Christ's finished work on the cross and his resurrection that is the ground for our being right with God, forgiven and accepted as righteous. Faith is how it comes to us. Faith is the glass that God gives to us so we can get that sweet, sweet water. And here's what that means. That means if if your glass is a little cracked and shaky, it still comes. It means if your faith is weak, it still comes. Because faith is just the instrument through which God tells us the good news that we're justified through Christ. Christ and His finished work is the ground for our justification. So it's received by faith. Number two, again working backwards, it says that God accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Here's what that is teaching, and and here's where we see it in the scriptures as well. Uh, He's talking about that, if you look at verse um, 24 again, justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. When Paul uses the phrase, in Christ Jesus, he's talking about the fact that we are united to Christ through faith. So whenever we have faith, if you have faith, that means you have been united to Christ. And through that faith union, what the, what the catechism is saying, what the Bible teaches, is that all of Christ's righteousness, every righteous thought, every righteous emotion, every righteous action, all of his righteousness, everything that he did in his perfectly flawless, perfectly righteous life, belongs to you now. And you're judged by God, not on your righteousness, your lack thereof, but on his his righteousness has been given to you, imputed to you, credited to you as if you had lived a perfect life. It's like if you take, imagine somebody was completely penniless, had absolutely nothing, but then marries somebody with billions of dollars, a multi-billionaire. Okay? Uh, uh, the day before the wedding, in the bank account of the penniless person, there's, nothing because they're penniless but the day after once they are married because now they're united to someone with billions and billions of dollars and again we're operating like there's no prenups and stuff like that but through that union now that penniless person the day after the wedding as soon as those accounts are joined now there's billions of dollars in that account where there was absolutely nothing because all those billions of dollars were imputed to that person. They were given to that person. That person has absolute access to that money now. And this is way better than money because we don't need money. That doesn't get us into heaven. We need righteousness. And Christ has all the righteousness we could ever need and more. He's absolutely righteous. And it's not that he takes his righteousness and pours it into our account. It's we're added to his. We're added to his account so that our standing with God is exactly the same as his. Perfectly righteous, perfectly accepted, forever. That's life changing. Now we're going to talk about forgiveness in a second. Forgiveness is really important as well. Forgiveness says you may go. Righteousness says you may come. And it's that righteousness that we have that we, don't, we can't earn. We don't have to earn it. It's imputed to us for free. That's what shows us we are welcome in God's presence. He absolutely adores us. So he accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us uh, and received through faith alone. uh, Next, he pardons uh, all our sin. That's a, a word for forgiveness. He pardons all our sin. He forgives us of all of our sins. Past, present, and future. Look at verse 25. It says, talking about Jesus, is the one whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. A propitiation. Propitiation. That's a big fancy Bible word for full payment. Satisfactory payment. See, our sin, the reason we need to be forgiven is our sin creates this massive debt with God. We sang it earlier. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. And what happens then when we have faith in Christ is we are forgiven for all of that sin because christ paid that debt on the cross that's why he said before he bowed his head and gave up his spirit it is finished he knew he was paying our debt it was actually a market term tetelestai which means paid in full so he has paid that debt and so we can know that we're forgiven if our faith is in him because he paid that debt and how do you know that he paid enough he rose from the dead That's what I love about the resurrection, and it's so important that we understand the resurrection proves that Jesus made that full payment. Think about this. If uh, if you got arrested and and went to jail and, and your jail sentence was two years, what happens after that two years? They open the door and you walk out, okay? And Jesus went to the cross to pay our debt. that we could be forgiven and how do we know that he paid it in full because on the third day that stone rolled away and he walked out the resurrection then is kind of like the receipt that proves that our debt has been paid so we are forgiven by God I was talking about this with the middle schoolers on Wednesday and I said that um, when you think of the resurrection that's what gives you the that that proof that your debt is paid if your faith is in Christ and I said, think about it like this way. If you went to a, a, a gas station and uh, I was there too, you know, we all have to get gas. And I, I walked over and I said, here, let me pay for your gas. And I dipped my card in the card reader. And then you're like, thanks. And then I went back and I paid for my gas and I drove off. And then imagine, so, uh, you, you know, your gas is paid for. You're standing there. It spits out the little receipt. And uh, the gas station security guard doesn't remember seeing you pay for that gas. So he runs out there and he says to you, hey, you got to pay for your gas. You didn't pay for your gas. What would you do? You'd show him the receipt. You'd say, well, no, I didn't pay for it, but my friend did. Here's the proof. Stand down, sir. You know, then he'd back off because you got the proof. God raised Jesus from the dead to prove that you and I who believe in him are forgiven. The debt is paid. He has washed away our sins. And it's a one and done deal. Lastly, notice the catechism answer starts, justification is an act of God's free grace. It's an act. Look at verse 24. It says, are justified by His grace, as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, are justified, period, past tense. <laughs> it's one and done. It can't be undone. If you, generally, if you have genuinely repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you have received justification through that faith. You have been forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. The resurrection is the receipt. You have been accepted as righteous in his sight. Now and forever, you've been added to his account of righteousness. It's one and done. In fact, here's how you know that you're beginning to really understand the doctrine of justification by faith. There's a certain question that pops up in your mind if you're really understanding how free we are in Christ. When you realize deeply, wait a second, wait a second. All my sins, past, present, and future, even the ones I haven't committed yet, they're all forgiven. Not because of anything I did, but because of Christ. And when you realize, okay, wait a second, wait a second. I am perfectly righteous in God's sight. He perfectly accepts me. He would never turn me away at any moment now or throughout all eternity not because of anything I've done, but only because of what Christ has done for me. So I'm I'm forgiven and I'm righteous in God's sight, 100% because of Christ, then why would I bother obeying God? Why wouldn't I just do whatever I want? Good question. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, choose to believe. Choose to believe again afresh as you think about all of the elements of your life that you hate, that they happen, the the, the guilt, the shame that you feel as you think about all the striving that you're you're trying to be accepted by this person or that group or you're trying to accomplish this or you're trying, all that striving. Here's why this makes such a difference. When we believe and apply the doctrine of justification by faith alone, we stop striving to earn God's forgiveness and acceptance. And we rejoice knowing that both are ours for free in Christ. And I would imagine if we're honest, there's a number of ways that if, if we're honest, we realize we have been trying to make up for our sins or we've been trying to be acceptable to God and, or to someone else. And I wonder if today God wants you to be free of that and to believe that you are forgiven and you are free. So that we can—we don't have to be dominated by what people think about us. We don't have to be crushed by our failures. We don't have to be obsessed with getting people's approval. We just get to be free, free. If you have guilt and shame about something with your parenting or something at work or something about your image or something about your success or lack thereof, all that stuff can be thrown away and you can be fulfilled and know that you are fully forgiven and you are righteous in God's sight and you can actually leap for joy do you know here's something that you can look for later have you ever seen cows come out of the barn after they've been inside for a while it's pretty sweet you should google this later Uh, kids ask your parents uh, to do it for you but um, uh, look for cows literally jump for joy Cows Literally Jump for Joy. There's this great video, and there's tons of them, so you'll find one of them. But they have all these videos of cows coming out of the barn after they've been cooped up in there for a while. And it's really interesting. They don't just walk out. You know, you think cows are slow. They just kind of lumber along, but not when they're coming out of the barn. They literally jump, they literally leap. These huge beasts, they look like dogs jumping. I mean, it's just amazing and the ground is shaking because they're leaping, they're leaping and jumping and they're just filled with joy. It is absolutely amazing. And that's actually a picture of the way God wants our hearts to respond to the righteousness and to the forgiveness that we have for free in Christ. That our hearts would leap with joy, that we would be so excited and filled with joy Because we know that now and forever, because of Christ alone, through our faith alone in Him, we're totally forgiven and we're accepted as righteous in God's sight. Believe that and start jumping. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. Thank you for this catechism question and answer, which faithfully teaches what your word teaches us. Thank you that we who believe can leap as we leave the building because we really are forgiven and you really have washed away our sin and our guilt and our shame. And we are totally accepted by you as righteous in your sight. And you will never turn away from us. You will never draw back from us. You are always with us, for us. You love us. That's why you sent Jesus, so that we might be forgiven and accepted. Help us believe that today, that we are in Christ set free from the penalty of sin. Let it change our lives and fuel our desire to make the good news of the gospel known to our neighbors and to the nations. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.